Welcome to the Back in Business podcast. I'm business writer and broadcaster and now podcaster, Mickey Clark. Who says you can't teach an old dog new tricks? <laughs> That's we've managed to teach you in quite a long time. <laughs> he has been in the business for a very, very long time, let me tell you. And I'm small business journalist Liz Barkley and I've missed talking to you over the summer. I've missed insulting you. I've missed listening. <laughs> what have you been up to? Uh, no, we got we got up to Yorkshire last week, um, and it rained. That's all I'm going to say about it. <laughs> so the staycation has done you the world of good. That's why you're looking a slightly rusty colour, I, I suspect. Oh yeah. Um, so while you've been while you've been in Yorkshire, we've been having some really interesting conversations. We've talked to quite a few politicians. We've talked about what's happening in the pub trade, and you were there for that one, which was a really good conversation. But then we talked about family business and how important they are to the economy. We talked about the food and drink sector, and I hadn't realised just quite how important that is to the UK economy. And we talked about inclusive entrepreneurship, as in you know all sorts of uh, people from all sorts of different backgrounds, people with disabilities, uh, inclusivity in entrepreneurship and how important that is too. So we've got a really good raft of discussions uh, on the website and we're going to have a lot more as the autumn goes on. So Mickey, um, glad we're back. Yes, a lot of eyes focused on Rishi Sunak and the proposals that he's got to put forward. The furlough schemes ends at the end of October. Um, he's already given a, 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 a relief to the hospitality and leisure industry as far as business rates are concerned. But when you think of how big an employer that, that industry is, um, more needs to be done. And I think that's something he's he's aware of. But whether it's going to be enough and what shape it's going to take, of course, is anybody's guess. Well, the question, of course, is what's he's going to do in the budget? Because I think that's what we're all waiting for now, is it not? And maybe Simon McVicker uh, can tell us more. Um, Simon, it's great to be back on the podcast. I know you've been... I know you've been further afield. You went to Greece, you lucky devil. I managed, I managed to get to ski Athos of all places, which was only a week ago, but it seems like a century ago now. <laughs> so, can, uh, well, as head of, uh, as our director of public affairs, yeah, uh, yeah. you've got your finger on the pulse. Yeah. What do you think is going to happen? What's what's Rishi well, got up his sleeve? I, I, I keep thinking of that opening from Richard III. Now is the winter of our discontent because the summer may be a gorgeous summer, but our winter is going to be hell, it looks like. Um, we look as if we're rattling towards a second wave. The government seemed to be heading towards a second lockdown of some sort or other. Uh, I think it's panic in government, to be honest. I don't think they really know what to do. Uh, and the figures on, on, job, on job that that came out, came out this week from the ONS um, are nothing short of disastrous. Uh, so uh, the Chancellor has a, a major, major problem and uh, I, I'm not sure he really knows what to do. We do know, he says, the furlough scheme as it is will end, um, but uh, he has been strongly urged by people like the CBI to try and bring in a furlough scheme Mark II, which would probably look at those sectors in the economy which are in dire straits, such as, you know, entertainment, hospitality, retail, that sort of stuff. Uh, 
I mean, overall, the economy is growing uh, from a very low base, of course. Uh, the Bank of England had a report yesterday saying that the growth was satisfactory. However, they warned that a second wave would prove disastrous. And uh, I think it was the starkest warning from the bank we've had so far. Some of that optimism. Uh, um, so, uh, I think, uh, I'm afraid to say, the outlook this autumn is not great. Um, you're full of doom, gloom and despondency. Um, but do you think that if we get uh, a job retention scheme or a wage subsidy scheme or something in the budget, uh, that that will be enough? And will it be soon enough, even? Because we don't even have a date for the budget yet. Well, no, and well, some no, people are thinking that the budget might be delayed until the Chancellor sees the full scale of the, the economic disaster he's facing. Um, you know, this is a really tough one because, I mean, he has already spent billions of pounds. And, uh, I mean, you know, basically, if you haven't uh, gone back to work, if you've been furloughed and haven't gone back to work, your job's probably gone. So should the money go into job creation, new jobs, uh, helping uh, companies retain employees, like reducing national insurance, maybe that's where the money will go, rather than a furlough mark too. Although I think for certain sectors, as I said, I, I think without a furlough mark too, they're just going to go, go under. Mickey, this is more or less what you were saying in your blog yesterday. Yeah, I, I think you know, there are several things that Simon's brought up. First of all, those unemployment numbers were next to useless. They, they didn't tell us the true situation of how things are at present because the furlough scheme has, has managed to smooth everything over to make it look as though it's a lot more reasonable than it really is. And we don't know the position for employment three to months time before Christmas. Christmas is always a great time to sack people. This is the choice of every employer. Um, and also, the Chancellor, I think what he's veering towards now is away from the furlough scheme. And I'm worried about that because Germany and France have both extended theirs. I think France is 2022 now, Germany 2021. Um, and he's going down the route of cutting business taxes um, and providing other, other sources to make it easier to employ people. But if businesses are going into local lockdowns at a rate of knots, that's not going to be much good to any employer. Yes. Uh, I, I think, that, I, I mean, we do know some things, Mickey. We know that uh, seven, there's some 700,000 people uh, have come off payroll between March and August. Uh, we know that uh, most uh, jobs out there are uh, part-time uh, or contract. There, there's not many full-time jobs. And the CPI had a survey yesterday that shows 46% of their members will be looking to cut um, their staff numbers in the next couple of months. Now, that still means that 50-odd percent will be taking on, but, um, you know, what they say and what they do may be two different things. Uh, so I think we do know that the job situation is really looking pretty poor. And of course, this is going to have a major knock-on effect onto the economy, onto small businesses, especially when they're consumer-facing, 
um, you know, trying to survive in this climate. Um, Simon, on that point, do you think it is possible that if the bigger businesses don't have the confidence to spend moneying people now and they don't know what's going to happen in the economy, that they may look for, as you say, temporary people to fill in so that people who are self-employed freelancers may get a bigger share of the job market temporarily? Well, I think you might be right. It was that way in 2008, but I, I was just looking at the ONS stats on um, self-employment and the number of people uh, who are self-employed is dropping dramatically. It's down 155,000 in the last month and the August figures showed a drop of 238,000. So uh, it seems that people who were self-employed because they got no help from the government are now leaving self-employment and uh, I mean where are they going to go if there's no jobs? On to universal, universal credit. That's what I was just about to say, on to universal Um We're talking about yeah. starting up in a business today or going self-employed uh, and we've got two business people here who've done that, set up their own businesses. But Simon, you, Mickey and I have been self-employed forever because frankly nobody would employ us. <laughs> they, might give us they might give us temporary contracts but I'm not sure they'd actually employ us on a permanent yeah. basis. But you yourself um, have moved from yeah. being employed yeah. to being self-employed. Yeah. How did you find that transition? <laughs> because it isn't for everybody, is it? No. Uh, the thing about it is I did it just as the, uh, the lockdown was happening. So that's not exactly the best time to do it. Um, I, 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 I think I'm now falling into your category. Uh, no one, you know, no one would want to employ me. But um, I think it's bloody hard and uh, it's not for everybody. And uh, I mean, starting up a business is, is a very particular thing. It's very niche. And the vast majority of people that go on the lose their jobs will not be doing that. As simple as that. Um, uh, but more creative people, more you know, entrepreneurial people, it is an opportunity, but it's a very rough market out there. So unless you've got a really good idea, um, it's going to be tough. Well, we've got two people with really good ideas to t talk us through it. Yeah, I was, I was going to ask, do people go in to start their own business or go freelance through choice? Or is it they're forced to because of a change style or the fact that they're unemployed? Well, I know, the, I know this, Mickey, from my old job. And most people who go self-employed do it because they're made redundant. Interesting. Interesting. Okay, let's talk to Christian Kerr, who runs AI Core, and to Tim Johnson, who's in, you've been just been uh, on the podcast before. Um, and Tim, you've set up several businesses, and you're now about to. You're both now about to set up businesses again. Just give us a quick uh, two sentence on what you're doing, Christian, and then Tim from you. <clears throat> Sure. Thank you, Liz and Mickey. A pleasure to be here again. And basically, we're starting a company called Schoolify. Um, it's an online platform that lets anyone run live courses and live classes and get paid for them. So the real vision for us is to enable anyone to build their online school. Just like you mentioned, what we started just in January of this year was we started building AI Core, which is a vocational school special, specializing in AI. And we're looking to make that more possible for, for other people to start their business in the education space. So there's innovation for you, Tim. What what are you up to? 
Yeah, um, thank you, Liz, and thank you, uh, Simon, as well, um, to join the podcast. Um, I'm uh, starting a um, an online business coaching platform um, without the razzmatazz of the snake oil salespeople, um, back to basics, if you like, uh, called Business How To. Yeah, it does what it says on the tin. And um, the idea there is that is is a complete overview as opposed to a lot of people out there are selling their silver bullet solution, which is looks at one aspect of the business as being the answer to everything and when it isn't. So um, there's a, the, yeah, um, Simon was saying how difficult it is to set up a business and it's quite difficult because because there are so many different aspects to a business and actually you've got to get them all kind of working in some shape or form just to get going. Um, you can certainly build and improve it as you go along, but you know it's it's an, you can't and a lot of it is luck and and, and um, you know timing um, about being in the right time at the right place for the market and the team that's around you um, to be able to make something happen. I mean, I've had some spectacular successes in the past, built two multi-million pound businesses from startups in different industries, and had some epic failures as to, as well. So you know, it's um, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> Maybe you'll tell us about the epic failures because we'll probably learn more from those <laughs> than we will if you tell us about the successes. <laughs> is, it, is it the financing that's the problem? I mean, this is not, let's put it bluntly, this is not the best time in the world to start up a new business, is it? Yeah, I, I mean, going back to something Christian was saying earlier, I'm, I'm not a great fan of uh, getting external finance for your business um, because... At early stage, you've got you know you, your valuations are tiny, and so investors take huge chunks of your business for for, for peanuts. And um, so now I'm 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 in favour of bootstrapping um, because you know at the end of the day, a business if you can keep your your overheads down and um, and and hang on um, until you get the growth. I mean, a business should make money. That's what that's what for. Um, I mean, obviously, it's got wider purposes than that. But if a business isn't making money, um, then it's not really a business. Now, obviously, the the big tech Ubers of the world and, and all those people that don't make money and are valued to billions that 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 model's not available to every Joe Blow on the street. And you've also got the thing of being a and Christian was saying earlier, you know, what is a startup? You know, is that a one man band trying to be a freelancer? Sort of, you know, trying to offer his sort of done for done for services that he was as delivering as an employee, employee, or you know, is it a group of people looking for an IPO or a multitude of things in between? Ooh, there's some business jargon creeping in here. Uh, IPO, initial public <laughs> offering, making making a fortune on the stock market, like so few people actually manage to do. Uh, yeah, Christian. Before before we started the recording rolling, and I'm really sorry because we've got some uh, delays on uh, Mickey's internet line this morning. Uh, but before we started recording, uh, Christian, you were talking about this. You were sort of talking about startup stereotypes um, uh, and this whole issue about money and bootstrapping and getting funding and so on. Um, but it is the first thing that people think about. Yeah, I guess it's the, the most common theme. And I think going back to startups, what usually tends to, to be categorized as technology startups in particular, which are notorious for raising money. Um, and just personally, we found from our own experience, there's many other ways to do things like pre-sales to try and get cash in before um, raising money. So, you, you know, you could go to your customers and kind of 
Um, for example, we run a vocational school which place students in um, careers within machine learning. So we go to three companies and say, we're going to give you exclusive access to these students if you hire them, um, but we want the money up front and we'll, we'll give you a, you know, a talent pool every year and you'll have exclusive access to see them before anyone else. Can you commit to giving us, you know, 20, uh, well, 20 people's worth of hiring right now? Um, and then, you know, in the future, it's going to be much cheaper for you. So there, there's various ways of doing that. And there's a, a, I've actually heard this myself from another podcast. Um, a great guest called Ryan Beagleman um, from America is another founder, but he talks about how he's built all his um, career basically on doing those pre-sales to the point where he's now bought the largest ski resort um, in all of America. So it's quite interesting, the ver various plans that you can do that. And I also think it, it kind of determines when you're starting a company. We've been asked a, a number, numerous occasions by many people is what's the goal here? Is it an exit? Is it an IPO? What are you trying to do? And it usually confuses our team when they, when they start thinking in that term of, Oh, for IPO, and then we, we really need to be a venture-backed business to get that scale. So therefore, we shouldn't be looking at profit. We should be prioritizing growth, um, and that's where a lot of the confusion can come in. So if you, like um, Tim was saying there, if you can just make a profitable business and grow it, you know, sustainably over time, uh, it, it feels to us much more sustainable for the future. So what are you saying to people who are listening, who are thinking they want to start a business? What what are the two of you actually saying? Well, if you're starting as a you know made redundant, your furloughs run out, and you think, okay, I'm going to have a go at it on my own. Um, the first thing is is actually try and keep, cut your overheads as much as you can. Find some way of getting some income, even if you're stacking shelves at Tesco's or something at night, um, to to get some revenue in. Because building a business is just like building anything else. You know, grand designs. Um, yeah, it always takes twice as long and costs twice as much. Um, you know, it, it it it's not easy, and it and it always takes longer, and it always costs more. So, yeah. So cut the costs, find some income, so so you can stay in the game longer. Um, and then it's about getting going, uh, not fussing too much about, you know, does your business card look right? Does your social media profiles look perfect and all the rest of it? Have you got the right strap line and all this sort of nonsense that people procrastinate over? Get talking to potential customers. Have you got something that something that is, is a value to them rather than yourself? Because um, actually nobody's really interested about you. It's a bit of a spoiler alert, if you like. People are only looking out for themselves. So what have you... Yeah, what's the problem you solve that people are prepared to pay money for? Um, if you don't offer value, you haven't got a basis of a business. Um, I think inadvertently, Simon and Mickey, we've we've been doing the right thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've Simon. done everything inadvertently. <laughs> yeah. I just want to. I just want to throw in here. Um, I mean, at the best of times, it's really difficult to start up a new business. I mean. Most new businesses fail, let's fit. And uh, I think I saw a stat the other day. Uh, if they don't fail in the first year, 60% of them have failed in three years. And it's, it's not just down to money, is it? It's down to inexperience of the business person. But also, and you see this in Dragon's Den all the time, ideas, bad ideas, doing things that people don't want. <laughs> Uh, uh, so if you're starting up in this panda pandemic, facing the biggest economic crisis we've had as a country in hundreds of years, what kind of business would you suggest people set up? Uh, I, I mean, I, I, I think it's a high-risk strategy at this stage. It's very interesting you say that, Simon. I think one of the biggest problems people have is 
they're so protective over their ideas. You know, they, they tend to not tell people and say, you know, this is a secret, my, my grand idea. Um, and I, uh, Tim highlighted on this point is actually getting out there and validating your assumptions and figuring out, do you have something of value? Do people want to pay for it? Uh, and people tend to not do that. They, they go ahead and make the business cards, build a great website, and then they launch. Um, so what we tend to do is just try to get to revenue. Um, and, and there's a lot of things you can do now, especially online, the barriers to actually building companies that has reduced significantly. I'm sure since my own parents were younger, and there's a lot of services you could do without even having any upfront cost. So you could do things like there's quite a common thread in drop shipping where you would buy products from a manufacturer and sell them online. And people are shifting this into drop shipping services. So if you have a brand, for example, Liz, and, and you have a website and say, you're going to create, let's say sketches for um, weddings and you're going to sketch the, the, the bride and groom, you, you can list that website and get um, bride and groom sketches.com and sell those. When someone purchases it, you can use a, a website like Fiverr and you can outsource um, those services to someone else that can do it very quickly for you uh, and sell it. So there's many low barriers to entry of building businesses that just creative ways that people tend to, to not do. Um, but I, I know a lot of people who have been able to get up and start it without any um, any cost. <laughs> Barty, <laughs> shut up! <laughs> he agree. I think I think he I think he agrees. I think he does. But but also Simon, I'd say that actually starting a business in a recession is a great is it is is actually a great time to start a business. It forces you if to be you have lean. the right idea. That's the point. I mean, no, no, like Christian uh, no, just no, mentioned no, 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 a minute no. ago, wedding sketching, for instance. Well, you can't do that at the moment because there's weather. Yeah. But see, ideas are worth two a penny. The, the whole thing is, is as, as Christian saying, people get overprotective of their ideas. You just need to get out and try stuff. And the, the statistics about business failure is, uh, is, is overrated as well because what happens is people fail and they start up and try something else. And you learn as you go. This We're, we're <laughs> taught in schools this fear of failure. You've got to get the right marks. And actually in business, if you can, and I still suffer this now, you know, at my old ripe age, um, you still want to get it perfect first time. It's not, you just need to get out and do and learn. Do you have that luxury when you're 50? And do you have that luxury during a pandemic? Yeah, you do. You've got, you, because if, 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 you, if, if you're defeated before you even get out of bed, you, you're proverbially fucked. You know? <laughs> well, we are. <laughs> well, no, no, because actually... I think that's the yeah, title it's... of today's podcast. <laughs> I'm not going to repeat it, but Tim, I think you... <laughs> I mean, Tim... The reality is something really different. I mean, 10 million people are in lockdown in the country at the moment, and they are now talking about locking down the rest of the country for three weeks. How can you start a company in this sort of environment? I guess you could look at markets. Well, there are winners and losers. You see, at the moment, I'm, I'm one of the things I'm doing, I'm working in the construction industry, and the home improvement market has gone ballistic because everybody sat at home. They realise their conservatories are too hot and then they'll find out soon they're too cold. They can't work in them. Too much glare and all the rest of it, they all need converting. The people need more space so they have extensions. You can't get a builder. You can't get building products. It's, it's gone in a different... There are huge winners and losers in this current turmoil um, and there will continue to be winners and losers. As there was a headline, isn't it? Jeff Bezos made 30% extra in his wealth over this pandemic. Um, so lots of people do very well. Yes, but Tim, my point is that if people don't have confidence, if people don't have jobs, be spending money in these areas and then these areas will be affected. 
you're right in what you're saying. DIY is going through the roof at the moment. But at the moment, people aren't feeling the effects of this pandemic. I mean, DIY is going through the yeah. roof. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you, you mentioned a, a critical word there, and that, 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 that word's confidence. And when you're running your own business, you've got to be able to try and work out how to keep rebuilding your confidence because it's going to get knocked left, right and centre. And if and the hard bit is when you're on your own, you know, guess what? You are on your own. And so to rebuild your confidence when things are tough um, and, you know, you're trying to put a brave face on it, then that's really tricky. But that's that's one of the key things about business. It's not just business. It's the personal stuff as well. And that's what we help. With. And that's a question that I was going to ask both of you, Christian, you know, what is it that you need? What's the key to working for yourself, whether you're freelance or running your own business? Is it skills? Is it attitudes? Is it business acumen? Because let's face it, you have to do everything. You're not, it's not like you're employed and you've got a job to do. You have to do all of it, the invoicing, the marketing, the heaven only knows what. What is it you need to get you there? It's a great, and it goes back to, there's a, a famous book called the E-Myth um, on Cafeteria, I think, and it tends to say where businesses are started by a technician, you know, someone who, who has a, t- a talent, maybe they're a programmer and they start a company and, and, they, and they, they don't move up to the level of being a manager and then to an entrepreneur and actually owning that business. So they tend to stick within the technical role of what they're good at and, and do those things. And I think it's actually trying to take a step back and getting people who are better than you uh, to fill those places. So, I mean, for us, we were doing everything ourselves, um, and within a matter of months, we were able to change that over bringing the team. And as Tim said, there's a great opportunity now. You've got a lot of talent on the market that you couldn't have got previously. And we were able to get a great talent and place them within the business and kind of remove ourselves and um, back a bit and actually launch the, the, the new company that, that we're working on currently. But I think in terms of what you need, for sure, maybe skills to get started. Maybe a, a passion is really, really all it is and, and actually be persistent. Um, and, and, and I think going back to the point on ideas, ideas change. And the first idea you start the company with, I, I can't even remember what we had ideated in the beginning is, is definitely not what we're working on now. And that constantly changes um, every day and, and we iterate upon it. Mickey, I can see, I can see Mickey that you wanted to come in there. Yeah, no, I, I was, I was, I've been listening to the conversation, fascinated by it. But at the same time, it seems as there's two routes to take. One is that you, you come up with a good idea, push it through yourself, finance it yourself. You work your, your backside off to get the thing going and, and bring in the income. The other one is, you know, if you can build a car and tell you everyone it's the world's best and bring in investors. Um, you know, there are two ways of doing it. I suppose they're a bit like snake oil salesmen to a certain extent because they're selling themselves all the time. But the one thing that's astonished me this year, and I've, I've never understood why, is the amount of confidence of the people that we've interviewed who run their own businesses, despite the pandemic, despite the state of the economy, the outlook for unemployment, um, they still remain very... Sh- and. Uh, I think, why? I'm, I'm a bit like Simon in many instances. You've got the numbers and assess things. And yet the businessmen, these startup businessmen, these freelancers are all very optimistic. I think it's wonderful. Don't get me wrong. Um, I just wish I could show the same confidence. Um, I think you were, your it was uh, cracking up there a bit, but I think you're, you're, you're wondering how everybody's so optimistic and confident in the face of the facts. Yeah. Well, if you allow yourself to be consumed by the bad news, you won't be able to, to operate. So it's, it's, I'm not saying it's easy to say, actually, it's not like you're pretending it's not happening. It's like, yeah, okay, there's, there's turmoil happening and it's only just beginning. 
um, but with turmoil comes opportunities. And you know, there's a, you said there's two ways of going to you know have a great idea or they, or or go and invent a great product. Well, actually, there's another way, and that's to go out with a market with one idea, and then as you're out in the marketplace, you realise that people don't want this idea; they want something else. So then you you adapt, and uh, and and provide something that actually people are prepared to pay for. Um, and that's why what you start out doing is often not what you la land out doing. But you only find that out by getting out to the marketplace. You never can think this out sit, sitting in, 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 in your back room trying to figure it out on paper. You need to get out and talk to people. And in terms of, you know, what, are the, what skills do you need? I mean, you needed all of the above. And I think it probably boils down to resilience because it's a tough old journey, you know, you huge highs, huge lows and everything in between, you know, divorce rate and entrepreneurs is much higher than the rest of the problem. Um, because, you know, when things are great, it's great. And when things are bad, it's super bad. Um, but that's, that's part of the journey. But at least you're living life. Uh, if Simon's right, then the divorce rate's going to go up as well. Of course can it I, will. <laughs> can I just ask what? Another opportunity. <laughs> Both of you, what's the best piece of advice that you can give to anybody sitting there with their redundancy money thinking, I'm going to do something myself, I'm going to run my own business? Hang on to that money as soon as possible. Don't, don't invest your money. Don't spend your money fast. Find revenue, as, as, as Christian was saying. Find people who want to pay some money for what you got. Then invest in something that's proven to work as opposed to spending money on something that is unproven. Yeah. I, I, don't, I, I don't know, Liz, if I'm qualified to actually give that advice and I refrain from, from giving any advice to someone who's got the redundancy package because I'm sure, you know, it's in, each individual is very different um, and different ambitions. But, you know, it seems to me that hold on to your money and there's many ways you can get started without cash um, injection, getting set up. So if you're passionate about something, you, you can make it work. And there's a lot of great resources you can follow. There's um, a famous company called Y Combinator in America, which is just a, a school for startups and they have a startup school and if you follow a lot of their their kind of education there's hundreds of lessons you could learn to get started um and i think you know that, that's a great place to, to just take this time to learn if you can um and as uh tim said earlier do anything you can take a part-time job learn maybe go work for someone there and find out what the problems are and try and build a product whilst you're in there and try and leave and sell it back to them um i i don't exactly know what i would recommend to someone in that position right now well um you've already you know, given us a good idea there, um, our producer will um, get in touch with you and ask you for the details of that site and then we can put a link on our site. But from the point of view of the government, what does the government need to do to make sure that the business environment supports those people starting up so that they can, can innovate? Because let's face it, the small businesses employ the vast majority of people employed in the UK, so they need to take risks and create jobs. Uh, but the government's already said they don't want to support small businesses. I mean, you know, me as, as, as a working as a uh, through a limited company, no further, you know, um, as a, as a, as a sole play, as a model, they want people to be employed. Um, and they're ignoring the fact that mass employment is, is, is a thing of the past. So, um, yeah, what they say and what they do are two different things. Gloomy. I mean, I mean the, 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 you know, the Amazons, the Googles, you know, the, the, the fangs of the world are all paying no tax. Um, whilst the high street shops are paying, you know, business rates and VAT and all the re all the rest of it, so um, yeah, the, the 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 dice are stacked in the favour of the very wealthy, 
Um, but then that's always been the case, and it's still the case now. Mm. Cheerful. Christian, anything <laughs> better to say than that? <laughs> uh, I mean, we, I'll be honest, uh, go, I think going back to Simon's point in the end, to be completely frank, I don't tend to follow the news and I don't tend to follow what's going on in government. Um, coming from Northern Ireland, I'm not sure if we actually have a government uh, at the moment. Uh, and I've never tended to follow it ever. So, um, I mean, the only engagement we've ever had is applying for government grants, which is just a strenuous process. It's, it's not, you, know, you spend a lot of time writing out a, a grant application, which you can be spent building your business. And, you know, it seems like the people writing these grants um, have never run a small business. So they're asking questions like, you know, they're looking for for years of planning in advance um whereas you know in the early stages we're working kind of quarter to quarter quite scrappily and um, trying to grow and uh, we haven't got that five-year plan set out right now um and you know we can't really afford a copywriter so we've never actually been successful doing those kind of things and i tend to find that they're, they're a huge waste of time um taking take the time to, to do those grants well uh, that's a rather sour note on which to leave it i'm afraid but um we need to wind up now because otherwise we could carry on all day but um christian all the best with your new venture schoolify um and ai core um keep keep that going thank you very much listen if you don't mind me one thing i would say to anyone freelancing right now you know if you if you have a skill and you want to share it, um, reach out to us on Skill, Schoolify. You know, we're going to make that platform for anyone to actually share what they know and be able to monetize their knowledge. So the vision for us is to increase the amount of great teachers teaching. And, and the kind of incentive hasn't been there previously for educators. You know, they're never really compensated enough. And what... Hear that, Simon? <laughs> yes, yeah. Our real... I'll be using it. That'd be great. <laughs> and, and our goal is to actually compensate educators like an entertainer. So we could take, you know, um, if you've seen things like masterclass for live teaching and, and get people who have a skill out there and being able to, to monetize it effectively. Um, so anyone that wants to reach out to me. Christian, what about what about a podcast? Could you help <laughs> us monetize that? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think there's there's many ways, Simon, you can monetize from a podcast to your blog. There's platforms like Substack where a lot of journalists have been moving over to and monetizing their writing. Um, and there's lots of different verticals. If you're an individual creator, there's a surge in individual content creators and people building their own brand as an influencer. And when you see how sophisticated some of those people have got their operations set up, you know, they have their YouTube channel, they're monetizing, they have their, their blog, they're monetizing, their podcast, they might have a product, they might do consultancy. They have a lot of services that they, they can offer. Um, and I think as an individual content right, creator. We will be, we will be in touch. <laughs> we will, <Pleasure>. definitely. <laughs> Thank you ever so much for that. And Tim. Cap in hand. Um, <laughs> good luck with business know-how, uh, business how-to. Uh, dot com. Um, we'll put a link on our site to your site. So keep keep us posted as to how it's going. And um, will do. Thank you both ever so much for joining us. Brilliant. Thank you guys. Um, there you go, Simon, Mickey. Um, <laughs> oh, glo- gloomy on the one hand, but um, you know, keep at it, keep trying. Well, the first thing I'd like to say is that I have the utmost admiration for people to start their own business and. And uh, people like Christian are massively impressive and dedicated and they deserve all the success uh, uh, that hopefully is coming their way. And, uh, you know, people like them are vital for the future of the country. But they are a niche, they are a minority and uh, the vast majority of people will not be doing that. And I'm afraid the economic figures, the whole health pandemic, uh, 
situation we're in is disastrous. And I think in the UK, um, and I saw this maybe when I was outside the UK looking in, is in denial about what's going to happen. Um, and I think there was a very interesting piece in The Independent this week talking about the UK being in a denial about what's coming down the road. And I, I mean, I don't know how to sugarcoat any of this. Um, because if the government doesn't know what to do, how do we know what to do? Yeah, I suppose that's a fair point. But do you think Tim is right that the government doesn't want small businesses, doesn't want people to be self-employed? Uh, I think there is a certain amount of truth, especially for the limited company people. Uh, I think they feel they're not paying enough tax and uh, they want, they they need tax. Uh, I don't think it's sort of like, there's, a, there's, a, there's ideology against them, but they want people to be employment so they get their PAYE, basically. Mickey, you're nodding. I, I think, I think the, what they're saying is quite true. I think that the tax man does have a downer on, on small companies at the moment. The belief is that they don't pay tax, and if you can't get it out of the companies, you'll get it out of the small ones. The trouble is the tax laws in there are too complicated. I mean, but I don't think it's a problem the government can solve itself. I think it's got to be done globally because these internet companies have changed everything. You can't tax traditional retailers into the floor and let the others get richer by the day. It's, it's just not going to work. Well, that's the last word from you. The last word from me is that uh, all of this is affecting people's mental health and well-being people are getting really anxious about running their businesses whether they'll survive anxious about work whether they'll have jobs um, and so we've decided that we'll have a monthly probably uh, mental health and well-being well-being in business podcast and the first one of those has been recorded it should go on the site this week so please do look out for that and if there's anything you'd like to tell us about your business or about your thoughts on business and self-employment in the UK then our email address is contact us at backinbusiness.org.uk you can find us on LinkedIn or we're on Twitter at business underscore backin and next week we'll be talking about more topical business issues so see you then (laughs) 